0: Hey Eagles fans, this is Mike K from NJ Advanced Media, and welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on nj.com slash eagles, bookmark that, and you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech Service, where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us, and we'll respond to your phone. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter, Chris Franklin. Today we're going to discuss the Eagles' loss to the 49ers, Jalen Hurts' performance, and what needs to go right for the Eagles to bounce back against the Cowboys. Chris, that was a lot to say. How are you doing
1: today? <laughs> not too bad, man. Um, I'm, I'm going to skip the adjectives this year. I mean, I know last year you used to use a lot of adjectives to describe the games and stuff, but it it, 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 all I'll say is that that was a winnable game the Eagles could have had had they not made a couple of dis- We'll we'll go into it more, but that was a winnable game that they had, man. How are you doing?
0: I'm well, man. Apparently, I need some sleep because I just said that I tweeted that it was March a couple hours ago. So, oh, uh, (laughs) yeah, my brain is just like all over the place. But my internet has been out on and off today, (laughs) and that's been rough. So, um, we're finally bringing you this podcast. I know it's a little late, but we did actually get to talk to Nick Sirianni the day after with his presser uh looked like the loss had hit him pretty hard he seemed pretty kind of doom and gloom uh was wearing a weird turtleneckish sweater that I think whoever created that type of sweater should be launched into the moon um but you know he stressed the need to be accountable for himself first before he could be accountable for his coaches and his players and I thought that that was really really you know self-aware of him and I, I you know He has preached competition and accountability, and it looks like, you know, at least for his first loss Monday, that he is taking it on the chin, kind of. He's really, he's been punched in the face and is looking to battle back in round three, as he would put it. So, uh, Chris, let's get into this, because I turn to another scribe, yesterday after the game and said, I can't remember a game you could more pinpoint on a head coach in a really long time. And it really kind of just felt like, you know, I call it the second quarter of doom. So here's what happened in the second quarter. Brandon Brooks hurts his pec. He's out. Replaced by Landon Dickerson. Um, Brandon, uh, uh, Brandon Graham, later on, Hurts his ankle. The Eagles then uh, have a field goal blocked. Then they get downfield with a 91-yard uh, completion to Quez Watkins. Try several times to get in the end zone. Doesn't work. They end up losing yardage. Then Sirianni calls a trick play that involves a uh, handoff, a lateral, and then Greg Ward steering into the end zone with no one to throw it to. And he just throws it away. Uh, what a mess. So basically they lose 10 points right there, end up losing the game by six points. Uh, the passing game was almost non-existent throughout the second half. Uh, it was pretty much all Jalen Hurts' legs on a uh, an impressive uh, five-play, 75-yard touchdown drive. Um, but other than that, I mean, like, this game was weird. It was just weird. Um, what was your main takeaway from this defeat of the Eagles?
1: Well, I thought they played, they hung in there for most of that game. And I thought that they played, you saw a lot of energy. You saw they played with a lot of passion. I thought that was good. And you expected it with the Knicks area team. It seems like they feed off of that. I think when it came to the the tactics that he used and game, his game calling, I had no problem with them going, basically going, uh, with a short passing game and taking a couple shots down the field. I really thought they should have targeted the tight ends a little bit more in the middle of the field. I mean, you had, you saw what the Lions did in week one against the 49ers and Tyler Hawkinson, he had a, he had a field day and nine catches, I think 87 yards and a touchdown. He had a good day against that defense. And given the caliber of players that you have with both Dallas Goddard and Zach Gerds, I thought they'd be used a little bit more and they weren't. Uh, I think when it came to momentum, I thought everything hinged right on that failed Philly special attempt. It just seemed like the whole entire mood, whether from the sidelines to the stadium to everybody, changed when that ball was when Ward threw that ball out, out of the back of the end zone. Personally, in that situation, I would have thought I th- thought the offensive line was getting good enough push that you could could have even tried something off tackle a little bit if you if you want to try that, or even if you're going to try a pass, try like uh, try go target Devonta Smith because he was getting some good separation off the line and, and he was beating. Josh Norman was right a lot. So that one play call in itself, I think overall just turned the whole entire complexion of the game. The field goal being blocked. Yeah, that was big because you lost three points on that. And it's a matter of, I, I think it was more of a matter it looked like just as a lower kick as opposed to just a blocking assignments. It's just like it was that, but that was the play that cost the Eagles the win. And, you look at it now, like this This team, and the, the mark of this is I want to see from here on out. I want to see how this team learns from this because this, for me still, I still think this team's a seven-win team. But if they come into a situation like this and somewhere get week 14, week 15, and Sirianni's in a similar position, I want to see what he's able to, if he learns from this moment that he learned against 49ers team, and he decides, that, hey, you know what, I'm going to call a conventional player or not basically throw a fourth down away with a Philly special play. That's why I want to see if, and that's why I think he should be judged on for the rest of the season. If there's improvement with that is play calling in those situations.
0: See, I'm not as pessimistic. I still think this is a nine win team. I I think they can get some wins. This division's not that difficult. Their road schedule is relatively easy. They hung with the 49ers the entire game. It felt like they should have beat the 49ers. Um, that said, I think it all really relies on how, like you said, Sirianni able to bounce back, but more importantly, how Jalen Hurts is able to bounce back. So there's been a lot of discussion about Jalen Hurts on social media in regards to his arm strength. There were three passes to Devontae Smith down the field that came up short, but I don't think they, they were the culprit of arm strength. I think it was more about timing and accuracy, and look, those all kind of fold together, Jalen Hurts probably has middling arm strength for an NFL quarterback, which gives him less margin for error with accuracy, ball placement and timing. So, I mean, look, this was a different game than, than the Falcons game. The 49ers seemingly took away some of the short passing game, attacked the line of scrimmage, made it harder for Jalen Hurts to get the ball out in the flat. Um, So Hertz had to attack deep. And, look, the 49ers didn't have a very good outlook at corner coming in. But I thought Josh Norman played really well. I thought the rookie, who I can't pronounce his name, also played well. Um, But Jalen Hurts had a really mixed bag. I mean, like I said, the passing game was pretty much non-existent in the second half. Uh, Wide receivers were getting covered. Um, It looked like the corners pressed Devontae Smith all game, got physical with him. I think Jalen Hurts, I gave him a C+. I think his mobility was obviously an A, his ability to spread the ball around and look for different targets was a B. But everything else is kind of like a C, C-plus range. I thought his accuracy, he finished with a 52% completion percentage, but that doesn't tell the whole story. Um, those three throws to Devontae Smith were off the mark, uh, or, or you could argue they were poorly timed or just poorly played, whatever, you want to argue they were inaccurate. Um, what was your takeaway from Jalen Hurts' performance?
1: Yeah, I would say that yeah, that the, the grade he gave, I think that's a fair grade. Um, I probably would have put him maybe like to me, it's like probably be my my C plus. Yeah, that's about right because the thing, especially for a guy with Hurts who doesn't have like the cannon, the so called cannon arms, a lot of times he's going to have to work on his anticipation when it comes to routes opening up down the field, and. A lot of time, and, and some people and, and I'll, let's go off a little bit, but just a lot of people when you think of arms, you think like, okay, you have to have your arm itself has to be really strong in order to throw the ball. Well, you can get a lot of power from your lower body, like like your thighs and your core muscles, in order to generate the torque to go and throw the ball deep. And in order to do that, you have to anticipate those routes open up down the field, which I think hurts. Is still working on that a lot because there are some times when you look down the field, he has he had a couple guys. Like offhand, I remember, I think it was like Ertz or Goddard that was breaking across the middle of the field. And there were some other wide receivers that were, open, that were getting open that if he saw him just probably about like maybe a split second sooner and he had enough time to throw the ball, he would have gotten – I think that completion of percentage would have been a little bit higher. He would have, I think, had a few more bigger plays down the field. So I think he just has to continue to work on his anticipation and reading and when it comes to feeling when his receivers are going to open – in, in in the open parts of that defense. and I think they'll come up with time and more experience, but he still has to develop that part of the game. I thought he used his legs well in the second half. I think it was a good decision, especially when San Francisco used a lot of the man coverage and they had, and defend, the San Francisco defenders had their backs turned. Well, if he had about 10-15 yards of open field area to run, that that's the time to do it. If nobody's getting open, take take advantage of that and just continue keep the drive going. I thought those were some good decisions. He still has to work on you know, basically, I think his play, ball placement in some aspects of his area, he has to do a little bit better job at that. But, yeah, it was, it was a pretty it – was, it was a C, C-plus type day for him.
0: Yeah, and I think when we look at this game – look, I actually thought Jalen Hurts was the most consistent weapon on offense, which isn't really saying much. I think when we look back at this game, it's going to make or not make or break the Eagles' season, but make or break the Eagles first half of the season, because look, you're losing Brandon Graham who uh, ruptured his Achilles. You're losing Brandon Brooks who has a pec strain, but it will not be done for the season, according to Nick Sirianni. And listen, those are two massive hits, not only to your core leadership, but to your core strengths, right on the offensive line. When everybody's accounted for, it's a top five offensive line. When everybody's accounted for on the defensive line, they have a top five defensive line. So they can make up for this loss with depth and potential, but they can't really make up for the depth, right? So like, it's like whatever the next man up philosophy is replacing the next guy. Well, the next guy is good. The guy after that's probably not, right? So... Right now, you're looking at uh, Landon Dickerson taking over at right guard. He did not play well uh, in his debut. To be fair, he was thrown into the fire right away. It was his first game dressing. You know, I don't – I'm not questioning the decision, but I do think Nate Herbig probably would have fared better in that spot given that he had reps all summer, has been with the team for three years, knows kind of what he's doing. To throw Landon Dickerson out there – uh, especially with them having their backs against the wall, like, yeah, there was that 91 yard pass, but Dickerson was bull rushed into Jalen Hurts and that could have ended really poorly. Um, you know, they still have their four main starters, uh, Isaac Samalu just got the, uh, polishing of a, of a lifetime this week by literally everyone from Jeff Stoutland to Jordan Melata to Jason Kelsey to Lane Johnson. Um, but losing Brooks is going to be tough. Um, you know, this is the fourth st- fourth major injury in three years for Brooks. And eventually the Eagles are going to need to cut bait. As talented and as well-liked as he is, uh, Dickerson was drafted, obviously, to be a future long-term cog in this system. After a week of starter reps, maybe he has a better performance against Dallas. Where's your head at with uh, the offensive line, with Dickerson taking over for Brooks?
1: See, I understand why they did it, especially when it comes to a guy. To me, this is a development year. You want to get your young guys get as much experience as possible. I don't think it's... A win now type situation. Sure, to win. Don't get me wrong. Wins would be nice, but I don't see this as a win now type deal. So you, when you have situations like this come up, albeit it's unfortunate that it came up with an injury, you want to get these guys that you used high assets on. I me, mean, Landon Dickerson, a second round draft pick. You want to throw him in there and get used to playing in that position because he's the guy. I think either next year or two years down the line, he's the guy that's going to be playing with Lane Johnson. At the right guard, or until Kelsey retires, you may move him over center. So you want to get him as much NFL experience as you possibly can. Herbig is a good uh, is a good swing guard, and I think you can get by with him for a few games. Is he like your future guard, like a, a guy who could start seven, eight years in this league? Uh, for me, the jury's still out. I think he's serviceable. He's good for what he for what he is, but I think the more time that Dickerson has to work with. Lane Johnson on, on how to comp on those combination when they run in the zones, who's going to get what. And if he gets more comfortable and more time playing in pass protection and learning the assignments and who has what and the way Stout, uh, Jeff Stoutman likes to block, I think he'll be fine in that aspect. So it's just a matter of, right now. there's no, I don't have an issue with them placing him above Herbig. It's a matter of just getting him the reps so that he can be successful in the long term.
0: And then you look at the opposite side. Uh, They used Ryan Kerrigan to replace um, Brandon Graham on on the strong side. Didn't look like Ryan Kerrigan had the best day uh, in in spot duty. Then again, he missed like basically all the summer, played sparingly against the Falcons. Um, Look, you're going to have Teron Jackson over there, which is kind of weird. I don't really buy him as a five technique at all. Um, and then you've got, obviously, Josh Sweat, who just signed his three-year contract extension, and Derek Barnett, who apparently feels like it's okay to take a post-whistle shot almost all the Jeez. time, uh, which we'll get into a little bit later. Where are you at with the defensive end depth with Brennan Graham on the shelf? Well, I,
1: have, I think for this, you may have to, just the way that Kerrigan plays, I wouldn't be surprised if they played a little bit more 3-4 than normal. I mean... I, the one thing that I really liked that Graham did that not a lot of people really harped on. I mean, sure, he led the team in sacks last year, but his run defense was huge. The way he he rarely lets the guys get on the outside, his outside shoulder, and get around the corner. It, it was rare to see that, and a lot of these, especially a lot when it comes to a lot of younger defensive end and their defense in their minds, is like, I have to get the sack, I have to get the sack, I have to run ball rush, I want to get to the quarterback. And they leave themselves susceptible when they just think, okay, they got the one-track mind getting to quarterback. Well, they forget that there's also the running game aspect, and running back goes on the outside, gets seven or eight yards, and and, and defenses are on the field a lot more. I think that's what they're going to miss a lot. Kerrigan can, Kerrigan can fit in, but he looks like he's still trying to get his, his bearings again and, and speed again after missing so much training camp with that injury. So uh, when it comes to, I don't know, do you move Barnett over to the left side or do you move Sweat? Keep sweating on the left side, and then have Barney on the right side to make it comfortable. I, I don't know what you do there, because because also the angle of rushes, it still gets a little bit. Just like offensive linemen, when it comes to defense alignment, sometimes they have their own. They get comfortable running rushing from one side. You have to reverse everything on that aspect. So it's tough for me. I mean, do you even move Milton Williams out there? I mean, he's played defensive end beforehand, and he's a better run stuffer, in my opinion, than, than a lot of the other defensive ends they have rest remaining on a roster. Do you move him out there to start at defensive end and just roll with the three or the three other defensive tackles in the middle? It's it's going to be tough for Jonathan Gannon to decide what to do with there. But that, that, I think that branding, the Brandon Graham injury is huge. It's going to, it's going to trickle down to the other parts of this defense.
0: Yeah. I think the call is to move Milton Williams in there. Like you said about Dickerson, I think it's about growth and, Frankly, the upside on Kerrigan isn't as high as the upside on on Milton Williams. We know that uh, defensive line coach Tracy Rocker likes him. We know that Jonathan Ginn was stoked about drafting him. Uh, maybe it's time you just say, "Hey, run with it." Um, you know, Milton Williams and Milton Williams, Javon Hargrave, uh, and Josh Sweat are the three big names that you know will be here next year. I'm guessing that Fletcher Cox will be here as well. Let those guys roll. Um, and then I think, you know, we talk about Davian Taylor, who's got a, he's day to day with a calf injury. He actually looked pretty good. So did Janard Avery, by the way, at linebacker. I know it's, it's kind of hard to look for moral victories in this one, but I do think they were competitive. Um, I, I do think that they can compete with Dallas. Uh, but what needs to go right for this Eagles team to bounce back on the road against the division team on Monday Night Football? They're very banged up. DeMarcus Lawrence is out. Um, Lyle Collins is out. Uh, you know, they've got some other stuff going other in other places. Um, yeah, what, what do you think about this uh, early look at this Dallas team and what needs to go right for the Eagles?
1: Well, I think they're, the D- Dallas offense is pretty dynamic, and, and that's where I think they're – the Eagles have to play a little ball control and use a little bit, try to focus on a run a little bit, or even run at what If I would, if I was in Nick Sirianni's shoes and just me before really truly breaking down the Cowboys tape, what I would do is I'd run right at Micah Parsons just for the early on, just for the fact to try to wear him down early and, and, and try to slow down his pass rush. I think he, from, from what I saw briefly, I, he thought he played very well playing at the defensive end, switching from the linebacker to the defensive end spot a little bit more. So I would try to play ball control, run right at him early on, and then also utilize the wide receiver screens to extend to the run game, and then fill yourself out. Keep that offense on as long as you can. Keep the Dallas offense on the bench as long as you can. I mean, defensively, good luck. I, mean, I, I to me, Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott hasn't looked the same in a couple of years. Ever since he's come back from that suspension, he just, he just doesn't look the same at all. And my, the, the thing you have to worry about is you got to worry about CeeDee Lamb going against Avanti Maddox in the middle of the field, and, and then you got work, and then you'll get the Amari Cooper uh, Darius Slay matchup that uh, Slay seems to have a historically. Slay usually has the edge on that way too. But I think that the, the to me the game next the Monday night's game is going to be won if Avanti Maddox can contain CeeDee Lamb in some way, shape, or form.
0: And Avante Maddox actually had a pretty nice game for the most part, uh, I yeah. felt. Yeah. Um, I thought in in the interior of the defense played relatively well outside of the linebacker group. I, this was a rough performance for Eric Wilson, Alex Singleton. I didn't think TJ Edwards played particularly well either. Um, they've got to respond too because Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard are no walk in the park. Um, I have a weirdly good feeling that the Eagles will bounce back. I don't know if they'll win against Dallas right now, but I do have an oddly, you know, interesting feeling that this game is going to be very close on Monday. I mean, they seemingly always are, but I I do think this will be kind of a a neck and neck sort of game. Doesn't mean the Eagles win. Doesn't mean I'm confident that they'll actually respond, but I do think this will be a lot closer than probably the national media will paint it. Chris, what do you want to add for your final thoughts? I mean, Nick Sirianni says that he doesn't just move on from games, he corrects and then he moves on. Uh, what's for your final thoughts? What's the biggest thing that the Eagles need to do now that they've had a loss like this?
1: I think the biggest thing that they have to do is not dwell on uh, not dwell on it cuz when you when you looked at it, like when we've heard everything that Nick Sirianni said in the past, when it's the introductory press press conference where we've talked to him over a period, he takes lo- losing very, very hard. And all coach and you hear all coaches say it, say it, and some show it, some try to get move next to move on. But it looks like it dwells on him. And you you hate to say you want you like to see that in the coach, but you kind of like to see that that it looks like he cares enough that it actually had a loss for him. It's going to. I think he's going to have to put on the face and, and, and practice what he preaches when he talks about this dog mentality. He's going to, he's going to have to find a way to continue on and, and move on from this, come back, refresh, re energize to try to take on the Cowboys because it's, it's a tough task. It's a tough task to ask. It's, it's a heavy lift to try to move on from a game knowing that you should have won, especially when you were calling the plays on the offense and the way it turned out, especially with that. Philly special thing, but that's what it is. Have to, even if it's faking it and fake it till you make it, when it comes to moving on, he has to do that in order to succeed and put this team in a position to win against the Cowboys. What about you? What do you think?
0: My final thought is that the Eagles should retire all kind of Philly special esque plays. Like it was <laughs> cool when they brought it back a few times and it was successful, but now that they've been unsuccessful with a new staff with it. Just let it die. There, Look, there's no way you can tell me that Greg Ward having one passing option is better than Jalen Hurts with the ball in his hands and one passing option. I'm sorry. There's like no – there's no way you can sell me on that. Um. So that's kind of where I'm at. Okay, Guys, oh, we have, sure. some
1: late, we have some. We have some late-breaking news here.
0: Oh, what do we, you got? this.
1: Uh, t- it looks like uh, tight end Zach Ertz is on the reserve COVID list, and that's going to be huge if – he can't – the good thing, this may be a benefit where the Eagles will benefit from this being a Monday night game, giving them an extra day, but that's going to be something very, very close to watch. And you know the Eagles like to use a lot of 11 personnel, but missing a guy like Zach Gertz on the field, not having him is just is, – is huge, man. It's just crazy. But the fact that he's on now he's listed on the reserve COVID list, that's something to monitor for the rest of the week.
0: Yeah, that's definitely worth monitoring. So you can monitor that, by the way. I hate to use this as a cheap plug, but you can monitor that on Eagles Insider, our tech service, which you can sign up for on nj.com slash text. Uh, free for two weeks. You can kind of feel it all out. You'll get a bunch of information during the game. Chris provides analysis during the games. We provide you updates so you can avoid social media not have to deal with the whole rigmarole and notifications elsewhere. You can also subscribe to the No Huddle Show podcast wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Make sure you give us five-star ratings and some feedback. We appreciate it. So for Chris, I'm Mike. We will talk to you very soon to preview the Eagles' Monday night football game against the Cowboys in Arlington, Texas. See you soon.